1: And we welcome to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album, author of the book Tuesdays with Maury. Lisa Goitsch is alongside my friend and producer of this program. Lisa, nice to have you along, as always, for the journey.
0: Always nice to be here.
1: Today, we're going to uh, discuss what happens when you get medical news that is less than welcome. Obviously, in the story of Tuesdays with Maury, when Maury was kind of hopping along uh, in his life in his 70s. At one point, he felt that he was the healthiest old man uh, he'd ever known or he was anyone was going to know. He would predict that he was just going to go into old age without any setbacks at all. And he began to notice some shortness of breath. Now, he had had asthma, and so shortness of breath really wasn't something that was shocking to him. Uh, but he began to notice that it was worse than it normally had been. Long walks would leave him tired. Uh, He went for a walk with his wife along the Charles River in Boston and lost his breath, wasn't able to uh, get it back. He began to have issues with walking. He would stumble, getting out of a car. And of course, this is pretty similar to all of us, I think, in a way when we have ailments that begin with, well, I just noticed, you know, I have a headache, or I just noticed uh, my arm feels tingly or something like that. And the first day that you notice it, you don't tend to run off to a doctor right away, right? You say, oh, it's got to go away. Unless (laughs) you're me. Unless you're you, okay. Uh, Well, most people don't. um, But that's that's really, that's no different than people who do. Uh, And I guess we'll start right there. Are you the kind of person... Who, when some pain appears that you didn't have before, wants to run to a doctor and get an exclam- exclamation for, explanation for it, even if it hasn't been with you very long. Now, Lisa, you say you are that kind of a person. Like, if you have something oh, yeah. on a Thursday, on Friday, you're going into the doctor.
0: Oh, Yeah. I mean, if it's severe enough, I mean, if I have like, you know, ooh, I have a little pain in my side, I'm not going to go. But if it's excruciating.
1: Well, sure. I think If anything's excruciating, you're supposed to go to a doctor. (laughs) But it's more like the small nagging things. Oh, Uh, yeah.
0: No, nagging things. I kind of ignore them and say, oh, maybe it'll go away.
1: Maybe it'll go away. Right. Yeah. And, And in many cases, it does go away. And I have found, and the reason I I wanted to do this topic today is because I have had to deal with a number of medical issues in my life, and a number of them were scary when I first found out about the diagnosis of them, and Mm -hmm. I had to go through all of this, and then of course we had to deal with it with Chica, our little girl from Haiti, who was diagnosed with a brain tumor, Uh, and -hmm. then we were told that this was going to be fatal, and she wasn't going to be able to survive it, and so I have a lot of experience going through the revolving door in your mind of, do I search deeper or do I wait and trust in God and fate and and not ruin my days by trying to find out everything? Now, I'm going to tell you right right off the bat that what Maury went through is different than the world today by one very simple factor. There was no internet. Mm. So when Maury contracted ALS in the mid-90s, he didn't have the option to go on the internet and start reading people's accounts of what to expect yeah. and what it's like and how bad is it and uh, and all these uh, endless, endless entries that people make about disease. Uh, short of pornography, I would say that the number one thing on the internet is... Mm-hmm illness and pathology and personal stories uh, about health and what to do and what to take and what and what not to take and what to avoid. And you can go down what doctors have called to me as the rabbit hole of the internet yeah. and be lost forever on any diagnosis. If you, let's say you get a tingling in your uh, neck, you could put in neck tingling and you could probably come up with a thousand oh. different ailments some of which would be fatal there'd be oh, some in me. which yeah there'd be some in which you would read something where it would say uh, in some severe cases uh tingling yeah. in the neck can indicate fill in the blank which can be fatal
0: now yeah i've been down that rabbit hole many times yeah yeah <laughs>
1: And if you go down that rabbit hole, you're going to read those words and you are never going to forget them, and it will change the trajectory of your approach to the illness forever. Now, here's Maury from our one of our conversations when I was visiting him every week in his home in Massachusetts before he died about uh, how he learned— that he had technically ALS. He had gone to some doctors. They had um, told him it might be this muscle thing, it might be your legs, it might be your imbalance, all of which turned out to be wrong. And you you think about that, like how many times do you go to doctors who tell you one thing and it turns out not to be the thing? And if you're one of those people that says, well, I'll just trust the first doctor I go to because he's a doctor and he must know, or she's a doctor and she must know, always, always, always get second opinions on things. Always. If, if Maury's case taught me anything, if my case has taught me anything, if Chica's case has taught us anything, it would be that you just don't stop at one doctor. You have to understand that doctors have many different opinions, many, and, and it doesn't mean that they're bad, but, but some of them see things that other ones don't. Some of them just know to ask for a test that other ones don't. Some go through a routine that's strictly their own and some go through routines that, that much bigger safety nets and catch things. So Maury had gone to a few doctors who had gotten it wrong and then he went to a neurologist and here is his his account of that.
2: It was obvious to me there was something wrong Mm -hmm. because it had taken so long. Mm -hmm. And I asked them for the report. And the report came back saying I had a motor run disease mm-hmm. and then I saw a neurologist one who sent me to another one and this is a guy who's a specialist mm-hmm. in ALS and he broke the news and I was shocked mm-hmm. unbelieving mm-hmm. how the hell did I ever pick this up Right. Where did I get it? Right. How? No answer. Mm-hmm. You know nothing about it. the origins, and you know what to do about
1: it. Did you? Did he give you something to read about it when you left his office? Did you go and get a book or something? Oh, I
2: read stuff. yeah.
1: I mean, that's kind of the academic way of approaching I a problem. I read a it? lot.
2: I just read enough. Uh-huh. to know that it's a horrible disease that ends in death, that you can't predict the course. Sometimes it starts up here, right. then you're worse off. Right. Starts down your legs. You've got some time.
1: Where did you read about it?
2: Pamphlets I got from the Muscular Dystrophy Association.
1: You called them up or yeah. you wrote to them?
2: All of them a uh, ALS Foundation. Mm-hmm. Got some stuff there, but I didn't take out any big text
1: You didn't go to the library to read up on it or something. No,
2: I didn't need the horrors All laid out to me because I didn't see any point in filling myself with the anticipation. I wanted to live in the moment.
1: So here was Maury, as you hear him say, I didn't go to the library. The library, of course, being our version now of the internet, because if this happened to him now, my question would have been to him not, did you go to the library, which really dates this conversation, doesn't it? But did you check on the internet? And of course, you can check on the internet and do exactly what Maury said, have all the horrors laid out for you. Or you can do what he did, which is, don't fill yourself with anticipation, but live in the moment. So first mm-hmm. and foremost, when you get a diagnosis from a doctor, okay, number one, go to another doctor and verify. D- there are doctors who will scare the crap out of you with wrong diagnoses or overdiagnoses. Sometimes they do it. That's true. Sometimes they do it purely accidentally or they miss something. Sometimes they do it because, quite frankly, they want the business. Uh, they want the surgery, they want the chemotherapy. Uh, I hate to say it, but there are doctors who do that. Doctors are human beings. Human beings make mistakes. Human beings can be selfish and self-interested. So, number one, go to get validation from at least another doctor or two other doctors. All right, now, let's say that a consensus of doctors agrees that you have an issue, and an issue that is, you're going to have to address, uh, and maybe one of the overtones of it is if it doesn't work out, if it's really, really bad, it could be fatal. On the other hand, there are examples where it is not. Even with ALS, even with ALS, the same disease that Maury was diagnosed with, there is such a wide variation of how people have survived it and lived with it. The traditional thing is you have about a five-year lifespan with it from the time you get it, but you're often not diagnosed until maybe two years into when you have it because you don't really have the problems yet. And so by the time you're diagnosed with it, you generally have two years to three years to live and then you'll die. But I, I know many people who have lived far beyond that window. I know people who have had it for over 15 years. I know people for whom it moves much more slowly. There are many cases of this. So number one, well, number one, we said checking to other doctors. Number two, don't presume that somebody else's path with this is going to be your path. Don't presume that because most people have da-da-da-da-da-da-da, that you're going to be one of the most people. When yeah. we took Chica in after the MRI revealed how big this brain tumor was, and then that she had the operation to try to take it out, and when we spoke with the surgeon, who was a great guy, and so were the other people around him, great people, but they pretty much told us that this being DIPG, diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma, a uh, terrible, terrible affliction for children, that she would live... Maybe four to eight months, depending on if we wanted to stretch it out with some radiation. Maybe she could live a little bit longer. In no case did they say to us she would live two years. But she did. She lived two years. And if we had taken their advice, which was to bring her back to Haiti, don't do anything, and just let her slowly die— not only would we have been wrong, but we have, would have lived in anticipation of something that was going to come in a couple of months that didn't come for two years.
0: Right, right.
1: And imagine how that would have affected what we could do with her, the experiences we could have. With her. No, no, don't do that because you know she might be gone in a couple of weeks. Or don't let her try to experience that because she might not be. It changed. It would have changed our whole way of thinking. So we took the approach with her. She's a fighter. We're going to fight. And we're going to fight this until we can't fight it anymore. And just because there's no cure for something when you get diagnosed with it doesn't mean there might not be a cure by the time you fought it. New inventions come That's along true. all the time. New developments all of medicine come along all the time. And we explored many of them. As a result, we got two years with Chica that many people said we'd never get more than four or five months. Mm -hmm. So don't let other people's diagnoses be your diagnosis. Take it on individually. Now, if you take it on individually and you say, okay, this is going to be my battle with fill in the blank, my battle with cancer, my battle with ALS, my battle with Parkinson's, my battle with whatever the disease is, you've now opened the door towards saying, well, since it's going to be my battle and I'm not going to follow exactly the pattern that somebody else did, then my approach to how I deal with it and my attitude doesn't have to be the same as everybody else's. See, once you sort of accept, okay, my pathology, my my medical journey is not going to necessarily be the same as everybody else's, then you can free yourself to allow yourself to think about it the way that you want to think about it instead of the way that everybody else thinks about it. So, if everybody else says breast cancer, oh, that's that's death or that's a mastectomy immediately or that's just right. you don't have to think like that. You are allowed to take your own approach. Yep, Maury took his own approach. At first, he mourned the news. There's no doubt about it. It was terrible. Why did he get this thing? As you heard him say to the doctor, why me? Why did I get this? Why, you know, what, what, what did I do wrong? What did I smoke? What did I eat? What did I, what did I do to catch ALS? Where did I go that I shouldn't have gone? Give me, give me a bad thing that I did that justified my getting this. There wasn't any. So when he realized all that, that this was sort of random and it just hit him, then he said, okay, well, what am I going to do about this? And at first he didn't tell anybody. He kept it private. But then eventually he said, I'm not going to hide from this. I'm going to make my experience a learning thing, a teachable moment. As he explained to me one time, I asked him, would you have preferred to get this or be hit by a truck and just be gone?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In an instant. This is what he said.
2: I prefer it this way. You do. If I have to go, I'd rather have the opportunity to have done something worthwhile. And somehow or other, I was either chosen or given this opportunity. I wouldn't have missed it for the world. hmm rather than getting struck by a car. But I said, I'm not sure I would choose it if I had a choice. But having no choice, this is what I choose to do.
1: So he chose to use his time to teach about what it was like to die. And as we see, if you've read Tuesdays with Maury or if you've listened to our podcast, you see that one of the people that he chose to affect during his dying months was me. And we did this sort of last class in what's really important in life once you know you're going to die, became a book which helped pay his medical bills, which was a big thing for for Maury, and that was the reason I wrote the book. Uh, And and now has had an enormous effect on the rest of the world and, and on Maury's legacy and on who he who he is. Now, Maury didn't know that he was going to be able to continue to teach even after he was gone through the pages of a book. So you could say, well, okay, we're able to talk about that now because Maury, you know, you wrote the book and, and people read the book and it's become very widespread and so that makes him unique. And he's able to, you know, teach because it's all after the fact. He he died already. Well, let me point out to you that Maury, long before I encountered him, decided that he would teach, even though he felt that his days were numbered and everybody told him that his days were numbered. He came to campus that fall after he had been diagnosed. He needed help getting up the stairs of Brandeis University, where, where he taught, where I went to school. It was very hilly. Campus, it's you know almost mm-hmm. everything. You're either o- always going uphill or going downhill. There's not there's <laughs> the middle is a little flat, but all the way around yeah. it's up and down. And so where the sociology building is, you've got to go up a lot of steps to get to it. So he needed help getting up the steps there, and he didn't want everybody to be looking at him and saying, you know, why is Maury have to be helped up the stairs? What's going on? So he walked into the class on the very first day and decided to lay the cards on the table. Here in this cut, you'll hear him talking about that. Was it the first thing that you said, right at the beginning? How did you say it?
2: I said, I assume you're all here for the social psychology seminar. And it's been a course I've been teaching for some 20 odd years. And this is the first time that I can say or that I have to say that I may not be able to finish the semester because I have ALS and it's a fatal disease so if you feel you know that you need to be sure about that then maybe you shouldn't take the course that's it Mm -hmm. and we pass out the read list, get people to pick their topics, and go on.
1: Now that was an incredibly brave thing to do. Maury went out in front of a classroom full of kids and said to them, in essence, I'm dying. I'm your teacher, I'm dying, and I may die before this class is over. And then in typical Maury fashion, thinking of others first, he said, so therefore, if you don't want to take the class because, you you know, you really want me to stick around to the end and you don't want to have to switch professors or something, I'm giving you fair notice. You can drop the course. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. I don't think anybody dropped the course, by the way. I think a lot of people may have realized, like, hey, this is their last chance to study with Maury Schwartz. They wanted to be with it. But imagine, you know, by doing that, that was the equivalent of like a a person today tweeting out or Instagramming out a message that, hey, I've just been diagnosed with such and such. From that moment, yeah. it's out there and nobody looks at you the same way. Now, this is another thing. This is number three, what you have to decide. Are you going to keep this personal not share it with the world, not share it with your friends, not share it with your family, not tell anybody what's going on. Or are you going to embrace it and just say, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to have this public battle." Uh, or I'm going to have this battle and the public will be aware of it, at least my public or wherever your circle of friends or people are, and that's okay. And you have to decide. You know, and I can't I can't really say which is better. I I know some people don't like other people knowing that they're sick. They don't want a fuss made. They don't want to feel the people feeling sorry for them. They don't want to get that phone call that they wouldn't otherwise get. Hi, uh, just seeing how you're doing. You know, it's a little bit like yeah. people are pin cushioning mm-hmm. a doll to find out if it's you know how it's holding up. Uh, but other people like that. Other people say, "I want I want my circle of friends, my circle of acquaintances, people who know me, work with me to know." that I'm facing something that's very serious and, uh, you know, maybe it allows them to have some perspective on me or, you know, maybe they're not going to carry the grudge that they carried for all that time. Or maybe if this does turn out to be something that shortens my life, at least the time that I can spend is quality time. It's quality time. Let's face it. Would I have gone and visited Maury and then end up visiting him every week? If I didn't know that he was dying, probably not. If I'm being very honest, probably not. I hadn't done it up to that point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. It made me think of um, the comedian Norm MacDonald who recently died, and they were Mm -hmm. saying that he never made public his illness, which had gone on for apparently years, right? Right. And nobody knew about it. And you often wonder about that. Like, I don't think even if I were... Famous, would I be able to keep something like that a secret? Like I'm, so, I would, I would think sharing it would not only help yourself get through it, but I think it helps others come full circle and deal with your, you know, upcoming loss. Your, right, you know, I, I it's a weird thing, I guess. To each right. his own, but right,
1: and you'll have. I mean, people have to make up their own minds about that because some people don't want a lot of questions asked, and 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 quite frankly. Outsiders or friends, even uh, you know, even loved ones, they can they can say the wrong things. They can oh, say yeah, things like, hey, you know, do you really think you should be doing that given your condition? Do you really think yeah, you or- should be making that decision given where you are? And then people start to feel like, well, wait a minute, you're, now you're you're deciding what I'm supposed to do because I'm sick. Now you're, you're yeah. making rules. Now, or you're, you're disappointed in me because of this, or you're you're advocating I should do this because of this. There are a lot of people who want to steer your life from afar, and when you're struggling with steering your own life, when you're dealing with a disease, maybe you don't want that many hands on the wheel. Maybe you just want yeah. your own hands on the wheel, and that could be an argument for keeping things to yourself. I I yeah. I, I I don't have a right or wrong on this. I can only tell you yeah. what Maury did in his case. He benefited greatly from sharing this, because it was a a slow burn disease. It was a slow burn fatal disease, and that slow burn gave him the opportunity to, you know, talk to people. Every conversation became important. Every memory that he made from that point forward became important. Every person who came to see him really focused on him, and you it know, wasn't too busy for him. It wasn't perfunctory because many of them felt, what if this is the last time I see him? Now, right, yeah. the lesson to be learned from that is we should always be living that way. We should always yeah, be yeah, living yeah. as if maybe this is the last time I'm going to get to see this person. and Let's have a great time together. and Let's just not waste it. Or let's, you know, if we get together for a meal, let's not spend the whole time me talking about how I can't stand this person at work and not talking with the other person across the table really well. And then, going home, you wouldn't do that if in your mind you said, well, this person's sick and I might not see them again. You wouldn't come in and just yeah. spew about your boss or your coworker all night long and dominate the conversation, right? Well, you probably right. shouldn't be doing that anyhow.
0: <laughs> That's Oh, but we do because we're yeah. humans. We right. all do it.
1: <laughs> right. But 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 these are, this is how when Maury said, learn how to die and you learn how to live. It was so yeah. profound, so simple, but so profound. The things that we do when we are dealing with someone who's dying and the things that we do when we ourselves are dying and are aware of it, teach us how we should live when we're healthy. That's really the premise of Tuesdays with More. It's, uh, the whole idea of it is what do we learn when we're sick and dying that we can apply to our lives when we're younger and healthier and help yeah. you know, and, and, and not dying. And so these are some of the things that you will have to decide along the way. So remember, we talked about, number one, make sure that the diagnosis is, is accurate. Don't just let one doctor drive you crazy. Number two, decide, okay, how are you going to deal with it? Are you going to be deep diving on information, or are you going to kind of go with the flow of what happens to you as opposed to necessarily what happened to everybody else. Uh, Number three, are you going to keep it private or are you going to make it part of who you are, kind of wear it like a badge, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Number four, how much is worry and depression going to become another ailment that you are dealing with. If you're dealing with a diagnosis of some disease, no matter what it is, that should be enough. Fighting it, taking the medications, making sure you're being smart about things, watching your diet, getting enough sleep, keeping the doctor's appointments you have, monitoring yourself, that should be enough to deal with. And that's going to be hard to deal with. But when you add on to it, depression, worry, especially worry if you don't know how it's going to turn out. Yeah. If there's an operation and we say, okay, now we're going to see, let's wait and see what happens, wait and see how you feel, wait and see when the test results come back, we'll test your blood again in three months, test your blood again in six months, test your blood again in nine months. How will you spend those three months, those six months, those nine months? Well, you spend them every day worrying about, you know, what if it's a terrible result? What if it's a terrible result? I know it's going to be a terrible result. I probably, Well, then your days are probably going to be pretty gray. And then you'll get to the actual test, and the result will come, and maybe it's not as bad as you thought. And then part of you will say, wow, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Maybe I'm happy. Or the other part of you will say, well, the next one's going to be bad. I know, I know, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. You've got to ask yourself, how much do you want to make the worrying about the disease, the depression about disease... Worse than the disease. Yeah. That's a hard one. But you will be faced with it. Your mind is probably your biggest enemy, not your body, when it comes to dealing with disease. The body will do what the body will do. If it's strong enough, it'll fight back. Your immune system will fight back. When your body needs rest, it'll tell you that it needs rest when it's strong it'll tell you that it's strong you can push it you can you, know, you can you kind of have control of your body but your mind your mind runs away your mind is the wild stallion that won't be tamed nobody's going to ride it hmm. it's just going to you know buck you if you get on it to try to control it and your mind can take you so many places well yeah. this doctor said this one thing i i've i've taken to now and i've recognized my shortcomings that I tend to perseverate on a bad piece of news or a bad sentence, even if it comes amidst a good diagnosis. So, for example, if I get a diagnosis that says, hey, all the reports are good, the numbers look good right now, everything seems to be fine, you know, of course, we're going to test you again in in six months, you know, because... uh, for the first 5 years it's always there's always a chance that this could come back and I will only hear there's a chance in 5 years that it'll come back. I will not hear you're doing great, the numbers are good, there's nothing. I will not yeah. hear that. I will only hear that one thing. And so I have now taken to telling doctors when I first especially if I'm just first meeting them or you know yeah. beginning to work with them. Listen, before you give me any news, please know that I will hang on every sentence that you say, and I will remember every single word. (laughs) I will remember the tone that you use. I will remember if it's past tense or future tense or present tense. So please pick your words carefully and don't throw anything out there (laughs) that could possibly make me worry because I will. And a lot of them say, thanks for telling me that, because, yeah, you know, sometimes we just talk and, you know, doctors just spew things out. I recognize that about myself, that I will tend to worry and let worry dominate. And so I try to preempt it, but I also try to remind myself that even if there is some bad news that's undeniable or I couldn't get a doctor not to say it, you don't have to go to the worst result of it. Our friend, Dr. Amen, Dr. Daniel Amen, who's been along with us before, the brain warriors. Remember, he yeah. said, you know, ask yourself these uh, things to avoid ants, automatic negative thoughts, A-N-T-S, ants, and ask yourself mm. the question, A, do I know this to be true? In other words, you're worrying about, um, I don't know, this disease could come back in a year and be worse. Do I know this to be true? No, you don't. Yeah. Do you know it to be true? You do not. Um, am, do I feel better when I think about it being true? No, I do not. I feel terrible. I feel worse, you know. And it sort of goes through the progressions of then, you know, then can I tell myself not to think about it? Because it's only going to pay, make me, will worrying about it change the outcome? Yeah, right. No, it won't. No. won't change it at mm-hmm. all. If someone clonked you over the head and you were unconscious for the next four months— or you spent the next four months worrying every single day about whether that blood test was going to come back and show that something had returned. Would anything be different between the clonked-out version of you and the one that worried all the time in terms of the disease? No. Yeah, no. No, it would not. So why spend the four months worrying about it? Makes sense, right? So these are some steps to keep in mind when you get a diagnosis. The diagnosis, <laughs> what, 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 what's the, there's always the expression that someone says a, um, a, an arrest is not a, um, a warrant is not an arrest, an arrest is not a conviction, is not a, not a conviction, conviction is, not a, uh, yeah. is not a jury thing. You know? So all those different steps, well, it's the same things with, um, with medicine.
0: Oh, yeah. I would go straight from arrest to jail to, to, (laughs) excuse me, arrest to like the death. That's the death chamber. Well, it's not. That's where my brain goes. (laughs) So
1: don't let your brain run away with it. Make your mind up on these important decisions. And remember, you know, get other opinions and then um, realize that there are many ways to deal with that call from the doctor. And you can choose your own path. You can choose Mm -hmm. your own path. Hopefully, you'll choose the one that's best for you and treating yourself tenderly and carefully. Yep. All right. That's gonna wrap it up for today's program. Uh we always enjoy speaking with you and we thank you for spending time with us on this what is our hundred and first podcast. Woo! Now we're start, starting our second century of podcasts,
0: <laughs> podcasting. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> second second uh yeah, century. One
0: hundred. That's yeah, We haven't been on for a hundred years.
1: We do it every week, so that's just uh yeah. a little over about two years. But uh, if you like what you heard, you can always leave us a comment or a rating. We appreciate that. And check out wetuesdaypeople.com on the web for more information about our podcast, previous shows, topics, chats, etc. Until we get a chance to talk again, on behalf of Lisa Goich, I'm Mitch Album, saying, see you next Tuesday.
0: Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because after all, we're Tuesday people.